Coming up today on Abounding Grace. Listen, the fragrance of your life comes directly related to your sacrifice and service unto the Lord. And every sacrifice you've ever made, anything you've ever done for the Lord, listen, God the Father sees and will one day reward you openly. It's all worth it to see one, two, ten, thousands of people come to know Jesus personally for the whole direction of your life and family to change. It's worth it. It's worth it. Stay the course because it's always too soon to quit. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You I'm sure you know of someone who is really heavy on the cologne or perfume, and they fill up the room with their fragrance. Well, today on Abounding Grace, we'll hear of a couple of ladies who filled a room with their fragrance of true worship. It was evident through their sacrifice and service unto the Lord. Pastor Ed Taylor will encourage us to be that kind of person as he opens John chapter 12. You know, when you worship, there will be a response by people. Most will enjoy it and some will not, as we'll see in a moment. You, you think you're at work, you know, and you have a, a big issue coming up and, and the decision needs to be made my Friday. And everyone else in the office, they're just quick to make decisions. Well, we'll just do this and we'll do this and this. But you say, no, we need to pray. I just need to pray. I can't make the decision right now. I just need to ask my God for wisdom. I believe God can speak. And, and you tell your coworkers and, and the believers are going to go, okay, we'll pray with you. All right, let's pray. And we'll pray with you, and we can't wait to get the answer. But then those that are unbelievers, what are they going to do? Ah, oh, yeah, you're going to pray. Oh, yeah, you know. And just like, man, you get responses. But by your act of worship, man, by your decision to worship, you force people to make a decision about God. You didn't mean to. It's not like you're going, I'm going to force people to make. No, you're just worshipful heart. You know, you decide just to be appreciative, you know, and, and just so joyful I mean, you look at Jesus being here at the house, rejoicing with Lazarus, rejoicing with Mary and Martha, rejoicing with the city and all those that are there. It's a good thing to be happy with those that are happy. I hope you are. I hope you're happy with those that are happy. I know that's a part of my life. I just love to be happy with other people when things are going well. You know, there'll be times when I open up my Facebook and I don't have time to go through the whole thing, but when I open it up and there's just people there and there's the pictures on the wall there and I go through and I go, oh man, I, I mean, Facebook is a good thing where you can rejoice with those that rejoice. Now, Facebook can also be like the weirdest place on the planet Earth and I see things going, why are you posting that and why? But that's a different Bible study altogether. <laughs> I'm going through and I go, oh man, look at this. Somebody just got married. Praise God, they just had a baby. I see grandparents posting pictures of their grandkids, and I say, it's great that you get to enjoy your grandkids. Bless you. Enjoy it. It's a privilege. I see some wonderful thing happening in your life, and I'm just so happy with you. Yeah, the Bible says to weep with those that weep, but the Bible also says to rejoice with those that rejoice. And let me just say this. If you're looking for a place to reveal your heart, 
You know how you pray, Lord, search me and know me, reveal if there's any unclean thing in me? You pray that often. You want to really know your heart, just between you and the Lord. This is your own personal prayer life, your own personal relationship. How you respond when someone else is just being blessed and encouraged will show you a lot about your heart. I mean, if you can't be happy when other people are happy, especially in those down times in your life, you know, difficult times, times where you just things aren't lining up the way you would want, things that aren't happening the way you expected, and you see someone else is just like so blessed, you know, your heart really is revealed in how you respond. Are you hard and bitter and upset and I can't believe that? Or are you just like, you know what, Lord, bless them. I'm so glad they get this in their life. I'm so glad that they get to enjoy life. You gave us all things, the Bible says, richly to enjoy. And your heart will be revealed. And here's Jesus in the midst of, man, the whole room changed. Not only a beautiful fragrance. You know, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, you can just jot it down. You and I are an aroma in our lives. Paul talked about the aroma and the fragrance of our lives. And choosing to worship, no matter what people think, is always the best choice. And so there are responses, aren't there? Notice verse 4. It's a great act of worship. The room smells incredible. There's the humility of Mary wiping his feet with the preciousness of her hair. It's a beautiful scene. Then he says, Judas speaks up, verse 4. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now, you and I know the full story of Judas, but the people there had no idea what a rat he really was. They don't know. So when you're listening to this for the first time, you know what you think? Wow, what a spiritual guy. I mean, Judas, we should put him in leadership. That guy, he really cares. He sounds so spiritual. Yes, maybe we should have. Maybe she just should have used a little bit, and we could have used that money for the poor. But John gives us commentary because he's writing after the fact. Notice, he said, verse 6, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and used to take what was put in it. Wow. You know, if this was a movie... We would, in the first couple verses, we'd go, yes, yes, the upbeat music, sunny skies. Verse 4 would be darkness, and the music would change. Dun, dun, dun. And then they'd usually display Judas as some evil, wicked-looking dude with red eyes and just nastiness. But that's not how. I disagree with that portrayal of Judas. He looked like everyone else. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. And Jesus told us to watch out for that to watch out for wolves. He told us in Matthew chapter 7, he warned us, and I want to repeat that warning for our church today. Jesus said wolves would come in among us, and he warned us. With every truth, there's a counterfeit. To be forewarned is to be forearmed in this spiritual battle that we're in. With every true worshiper, there are those who are false. Watch out and beware, he says, verse 15 of Matthew chapter 7. He said, beware of false prophets, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, verse 17, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. By the way, that, that is, the insight on that is that 
it will take time for a wolf in sheep's clothing to be revealed, right? Because you don't plant a seed of a tree and then go out the next day and the tree sprouted up and already has fruit. It takes time, which makes it a very dangerous proposition for the wolves that come in sheep's clothing to our church. And we've seen our fair share of wolves in sheep's clothing. And if you're a wolf in sheep's clothing here, you are not welcome here unless you want to get saved. Because the pastors here have been given two uh, tools from the Lord himself, a rod and a staff. And you're not allowed to come and take advantage of the church here. You're not allowed to come and rip the people off of the church here, doctrinally or practically. You're not welcome here unless you want to repent and get your life right with the Lord. And we've seen our fair share. And, you know, there are people in life, you know, because here you are, the church of Jesus Christ is often a place where people get ripped off, especially financially. You know why? Because you're genuine in your worship. You're sincere in your desire to worship God. And somebody comes and with these flowery words and spiritual words, and they say, oh, hallelujah, God bless you. Look at my big Bible. And you go, oh, big Bible. Must be a big heart, you know. And there's, there are just ways that people know how to lie and become hypocrites. And they, they don't come to pray with you. They come to pray on you. And I believe God has given us as a pastoral team the responsibility to, to watch over the flock and to take care, of over, take care of the flock and make sure that wolves in sheep clothing are found out. But it takes time. It takes time. And the church here at Calvary is not here for you to take advantage of. It's not here for you to build your own empire, your own kingdom, or to sell your stuff, or whatever it might be. We're here as a worshipful group. And so the thing is, is though, when you're around genuine, sincere people, there also is a level, you've got your guard up all week, you're in the world, man, you're having to deal with this stuff. You want a time where you just want to let your guard down, and it's usually right here. And I would just encourage you, keep the genuineness, keep the sincerity, but don't let your guard down. Walk in wisdom. You go, Ed, why? Because Jesus is warning us that wolves love to come in trying to look like sheep. And wolves only do one thing with sheep. They eat them. So, Ed, you say, well, what am I supposed to do? Well, Jesus gives us some insight in this section. In verse 18, he says, A good tree can't bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Let me just give you a couple of things. We won't develop them in, in length. But let me give you a couple things about sheep and uh, wolves and sheep's clothing and such. Number one, watch their character. So how do I know, Ed? Well, watch their character. Because fruit in the Bible often is speaking of the lifestyle of a person. Watch their lives. Follow their behavior. Are they always condemning and critical and hard? Are they always wanting to argue with you and try to argue to them? To their, are they trying to take from you and take from you? You know, that's a good sign that they are not legitimate. So watch their character. Secondly, compare their doctrine. What do they really believe? What are they teaching? Do they have a new doctrine? You know, are they coming to your door? You don't have to look for false. You don't have to look for these folks. The Bible, Jesus said, they come to you. So when somebody comes to your door with a new doctrine, or they come to you with some new novel teaching, is that really what the Bible teaches? Are they giving you the whole counsel of God and not just a couple proof texts here and there? And again, is their doctrine being tested by the Word of God? If they have some new insight or some new teaching, does it match with the Word of God? Thirdly, examine their followers. Who are they hanging around with? You know, sometimes doctrinal differences 
aren't so easily detected. But when you sense something, and the Holy Spirit is like warning you. Have you ever had an inter interaction with someone where you just kind of walked away going, something's not right, and I can't put my finger on it? You ever have that? So I just can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it is, but something's not right. Well, when you have that within the body of Christ, that is what I call the Holy Spirit alarm. Ding, 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 ding. Stop and wait for the Lord to give you clarity. I tell you, friend, man, when I come into those times and I just like, I don't know, man, I just can't put my finger on that, but I need to be praying for the Lord to reveal what I'm dealing with. And you can pray for a specific manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Like, you're not on your own. You don't have to size people up. I don't, this is not, Jesus isn't giving us some new ministry of being the wolf finder and just going around sniffing people's sin and checking their teeth and, you know, and just kind of being the one that judges. That, that's not God's heart at all. This is just a warning that it's going to happen. And over time, a hypocrite's two true colors are always brought to the surface. It just takes time. You can't fake it forever. It's going to implode on you. Why? Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. You're not going to get away with it forever. It's going to come out. It's going to be clear. It's going to be real. And so it's just better just to forsake it now. But for those that come in, for those like Judas, you know, the thing with Judas, he passes all the tests. But there's something not right about that brother. And you pray for the manifestation of the spirit, the discerning of spirits or the gift of discernment that the Lord would give you discernment. Because when you and I, we get that pause and that warning from the Lord, if we don't heed that warning from the Lord, we do so at our own great risk. We just try to push through or try to ignore. No, we do so at our own great risk and our own folly, unfortunately, at times. Judas was clearly a wolf in perfect sheep's clothing. And notice back in John, you have Judas being so super spiritual here, but Jesus, he sees right through him. And what does he do? Jesus answers in verse 7, Let her alone. She's kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Jesus had a way of rebuking people, and you didn't even know he was doing it until after he was done. And so what does he do? He takes the side of the worshiper. And as he takes the side of the worshiper, he says, you leave her alone. And perhaps that's what Jesus is saying over you right now. You feel alone. You feel like, man, nobody's there for you. You feel like nobody's at your defense. And the Lord is standing there telling people, you leave him alone. You leave her alone. And there he is. You leave her alone. She is worshiping me. She is giving of herself. And at the same time, he's praising the worshiper. He's rebuking Judas. And it's beautiful. Have you ever felt like no one's come to your defense? It just seems like nobody's standing on your side. And even the people that you expected to stand on your side aren't on your side. Well, listen, God is on your side. He is with you through this. Now, it could be a couple reasons. You know, one reason you may feel like nobody's at your defense is because you've chosen to defend yourself. That's an unwise choice in so many ways. Often we'll talk, to, talk we'll, we'll refer to that as like putting out fires. You know, this guy's saying you run over here, you run over here, you run over here. Look, God is our best defender. Trust him. He'll defend you. He, leave her alone. Amen. That's a great defense. Leave him alone. Don't choose to defend yourselves. 
Don't try to run and catch this over here and this over here and they're saying this over here. Hey, look, look, it's going to happen. Trust the Lord. You will be vindicated. But secondly, you may feel like you're in a place of not having anyone to defend you because you're not in a place of worship because Jesus always defends the worshipers. He defends those that are caught up in him and he rebukes those that are false and hypocritical. Maybe you're in rebellion today. You're trying to hide something or you're off on your own. Remember, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And Jesus defends the worshiper while rebuking the wolf. And so he says, worship me now because the poor you always have. And it's true, isn't it? The poor will always be with us until King Jesus comes to rule and reign. You know why the poor will always be with us? Because poverty will always be a reality because man loves to take advantage of fellow man. So there will always be the poor to serve, and that will always be a bridge that we can bring the gospel into someone's broken life and watch God do a work. And so this room is filled with fragrance. And then notice verse 9. A great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and when they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, who had been raised from the dead. Which, man, I would take the trip to go meet Lazarus, wouldn't you? I mean, dude, that's amazing. I'm sure he had some stories. Everywhere he went, it's like, tell me, tell me, what's going on? This is amazing, Lazarus. Where were you last night? Well, I went to the movies. Where were you last night? Well, I went to dinner. Well, dude, I was with Lazarus and Jesus and all. I mean, oh, it's just amazing. Yet, verse 10 the chief priests took counsel that they might also put Lazarus to death. They want to kill Lazarus. It's a warning again. I know our study and our time together have been filled with warnings, but they're very important. How you can look so close to God, how you can sound so close to God, how people can conclude you're so close to God, and yet you are so far. We have a word for that. It's called religion, being religious, having an outward appearance. As a matter of fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it's described this way, having an outward form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Where you look spiritual, you sound spiritual, but you're fooling no one because it will come out. And here they are, Judas, so close to Jesus. He's a thief. The chief priests, the religious rulers of the day, they want to kill Lazarus. The brother just got resurrected. They want to kill him again. Why? Verse 11, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Hey, look, when God uses your life in a powerful way, you can expect an equal resistance from the devil, from the demonic realm. You, you making progress for the things of God. You're making the hard decisions. You're making spiritual decisions for your home right now. You're getting everything in order. There will be opposition. You know, when angels rejoice in heaven over salvation, the demonic realm cowers. They're upset. They're ready to go and steal and kill and destroy the gospel in someone's life. You and I, we face a spiritual battle, the Bible says. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. I mean, it is a real battle, the flesh, the world, and the devil. So understand, you're under great pressure right now. You're making strides for the things of God. There will be those that come against you. Some people even try to kill you. They'll try to assassinate your character. 
They'll start to say lies about you. They'll, they'll come against, try to get you fired. They'll, they'll do weird stuff in your neighborhood. And, and it's just bizarre. You go, what is it? I mean, how could this be more bizarre than to want to kill Lazarus? What did he do? Except be himself and obey Jesus. That's what he did. I mean, really, that's all he did. Jesus said to come. He said, all right, here I am. He came back into his body. Miracle was taking place. And, and here they are. All they can see is that Jesus is being followed by more and more people through the testimony of Lazarus, just like your life and mine. I mean, we have an event here and we say invite people. We mean that. But when you start inviting people, you're going to get resistance. You're going to get pushed back. And so a lot of people, because of that resistance and pushback, they just stop serving the Lord. They get tired of it. It's tiring. It's tiring, man. It's like heavy-duty stuff. But it's worth it. It's worth it to see people come out of darkness and begin to live their life for the things of God. Aren't you glad somebody invited you? Aren't you glad somebody was praying for you? That God now has you in a relationship with him? Listen, the fragrance of your life comes directly related to your sacrifice and service unto the Lord. And every sacrifice you've ever made, anything you've ever done for the Lord, listen, God the Father sees and will one day reward you openly. It's all worth it to see one, two, ten thousands of people come to know Jesus personally for the whole direction of your life and family to change. It's worth it. It's worth it. Stay the course because it's always too soon to quit. And it's always too soon to walk away. And it's always too soon to throw in the towel. Let the Lord establish you and strengthen you in your relationship with him. Hey, thanks for listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Locate us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Replay today's program right there. Pastor Ed, today we heard Jesus praising the true worshiper. As you know, not everything going on in the church or at a Christian concert fits that description of true worship. So the question is, how do we know if our worship is on point and something that God is pleased with? Well, we make pleasing God sometimes a lot more complicated than it really sounds. Uh, When you're worshiping in spirit and in truth, where you are enjoying him and appreciating him and thanking him and in relationship with him, God is well pleased with you. The good news is is that God sees us through his son, Jesus Christ. And remember what Jesus, what God the Father said about Jesus. He said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And all that are in Christ, God is well pleased with us. Of course, if we're in sin or selfish or, you know, prideful and all that, that's not well-pleasing to the Lord. But when we're abiding in Christ, everything we do from the place of abiding is pleasing to God. So I would just encourage you, because this is a great question, and I would encourage you not to put so much pressure on yourself to be pleasing to God. Enjoy Him. Worship Him. Serve Him. Give. Be in a real relationship, abiding daily, that the fruit of the Holy Spirit would flow from your life. And that is immediately the place of pleasing God. But hey, if you want all the attention on you, you want it all to be about you, you you want to draw, you know, everyone's eyes and thoughts upon you for what you do and who you are, that's not well pleasing to God. But rather that place of simplicity and brokenness and humility 
God is pleased with those attributes. And the good news is, is that as we abide in him, those attributes are ours automatically. That is so cool. Thanks for sharing that, Pastor Ed. Let us know what you think of our current study and if you're finding these daily studies helpful to your walk. We'd also very much appreciate your support as we present Abounding Grace here over the radio and Internet. Again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Today, we want to suggest a book that can help take your prayer life up to the next level. It's E.M. Bounds on Prayer. These reflections on prayer have been treasured for well over a 100 years. When you read about the powerful ways God works through prayer, you'll understand why this book has been so well-received. We'll send you a copy of E.M. Bounds on Prayer as our thank you for your donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Just call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's toll-free, 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it through our e-store at calvaryco.store. Well, today we looked at the sweet fragrance of true worship. And next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor, we introduce you to the sweet fragrance of sacrificial giving. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.